Welcome to Leader Secrets Revealed, tapping into the tips and tricks of great leadership. And this is for new and emerging leaders and people who report to leaders and want to know how they can influence them to be even better. Enjoy. So welcome to this week's podcast. I'm talking with Simone Van Veen, General Manager, Consumer Everyday Banking from National Australia Bank. Uh, so, and just for everyone listening, Simone and I go way back. Uh, we've known each other for more than 15 years and at one stage Simone was my boss and that's when I became aware of her extraordinary leadership skills that sets her apart from other people. Welcome, Simone. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for having me. That's my pleasure. I'm just so thrilled to be able to interview you and hear about your leadership story. So tell me, tell me a little bit about how you started in this leadership journey of yours. Well, I sort of um, fell into it, to be honest. I, I fell into banking and payments at an early age and um, it had always um, been about people for me. So I had done actually psychology as my undergraduate degree and fell into um, banking and payments thinking that um, I would get into human resources is where I kind of started. Anyway, somehow along the line I ended up in, in payments and um, got... Uh, pushed along into leadership roles pretty early in my career. I, I did. Um, I was with NAB the first time, and I actually actually left NAB um, and moved organisations to a small consulting company. Came back and uh, consulted for a while, and then joined NAB again permanently. And um, just I've just really been fortunate enough to have a number of opportunities to move to different areas around the organisation into leadership roles. Um, and I guess it took me a long time to reconcile that. My love of people didn't mean I had to work in a people-related function. In other words, something titled people. Everything you do is people. And so it took me a while to reconcile. I could still help people the same way as I always wanted to help people, but just in a different way. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, actually, that's really interesting. I'd forgotten that you started off studying uh, and becoming an expert in HR. So are there any regrets about that, that you didn't end up in HR? No, not at all. Um, I have found ways to help people with their careers all the way through my career and I've been able to um, be challenged with large business problems alongside that. So I think I've been really fortunate. So no regrets at all. Also in my observation is when you look at people in HR and HR leaders, they actually have probably less to do with a broader organisation from a helping people perspective because I really see it's directly attributable to each team's specific leader. Would you would you see it that way? Yeah, that's that's right. And, um, you know, I get a lot of people reach out from to me from within the organisation and more broadly outside of the organisation just for... Um, you know, through word of mouth and can you give me a hand and can you, here's, here's the predicament I'm in or here's where I want to go with my career. And so, um, yeah, I, I am finding um, that I get a lot of that into, into my day-to-day role anyway. Great. So what sort of help have you had along the way in your leadership journey? I've definitely had people in my career that have helped me. Um, typically it's been a boss that has um, that I've worked for that has really had my back and um push me along but it's it's equally been people within my team um who really give me a lot of confidence um and sort of push me to 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 do more and and do better um and I've had mentors and within the organization and outside of the organization I'm sort of an informal mentor advocate so I don't do well with formal mentors but I've got a number of informal mentors that um that I ring and bounce issues around with and that have helped me along the way so definitely having people around you um is really important people that 
both um, both people in your team, people above you and people who are your peers, to have you back and be supporting you and encouraging you and helping you build your confidence is really important. Have you have you lucked in having great leaders all along the way or have there been the odd one that, that you just haven't been able to work with? Uh, definitely there has been the odd one that I haven't been able to work with. Um, mostly I've had really good leaders. I've been, I have been fortunate, but I have had ones that, um, you know, we kind of look at each other and think, well, I don't know how we're going to make this work and, and, um, and we were right. It was never going to work. So I, I think it's just about recognising that early and, you know, you give it, you give it a go and if it, if it can't work, it's okay. But, you, you, you know, I just, I've just gone and looked for other things and, and moved away. Now, I've actually experienced being part of one of your teams that I considered was high-performing. What have you learnt most about building and leading a high-performing team? I've learnt um, the most important thing is get the layer underneath you right immediately and don't hesitate. So I think every leadership role I've gone into, I've done it faster and faster. Um, there will be great people in the team. There might be some people who are in the wrong role um, or have had enough of the role and it's about talking to those people and working out what they want to do and, and moving them into something that they're going to enjoy and then um, making sure that you replace those roles with people that you trust 100%. So biggest learning for me, get that layer right, do it quickly. If it doesn't feel right, then it isn't. Just trust your gut and move on it and you can do it in a really respectful and authentic way. I've never had anyone upset with me from having gone through that process. Everyone else ends up winning from it because if, People aren't doing well in the role. They're not enjoying it and they don't want to be there. And as long as you have a really open conversation and help them move to something they are going to love, they're really grateful for it. So it's a win-win. I have to say that is one of the things I really admire in, in your leadership and other leaders I hold in high esteem, mm-hmm. that ability to tap into people's strengths and work out pretty much straight away whether they're the right person for that role or not and then like you say respectfully help them see other opportunities um it just it just makes such a difference yeah it makes a huge difference and I think um think for me getting that layer right straight away means that um you build trust really quickly so you get people in your trust um you be really open and human with them they, they then trust you back and then it creates an open culture and the teams start doing that with each other. So all of a sudden you build a team really quickly that actually trust one another. So tell me more about that because that's one of the big things that, that really is the buzzword and I think it's crucial word at the moment around trust and building trust in teams. It's almost like that's the first layer. And there's one thing to say it, but there's another thing to, to do it and do it really effectively. What are your, well, I guess what are your tips around building trust quickly? Um, be authentic, being open and human. Like, you, you know, it sounds, it sounds silly, but people really value that. And, and um, so many people say, say that to me, you know, you're so human and you, you sort of wonder, well, aren't other leaders human? So it is just about being open, being real, being really who you are, having a bit of a joke with the team, but being, being really authentic. You know, like there's been plenty of times where I say, you know, I still don't understand, I still don't understand and I ask the question 10 times that I, I let myself be really vulnerable and the team really value that. So I think I think it's just being real. You know, yeah. once when you're real, people trust you. If you're putting it on, people can see it. They can see it a mile off. Yeah, but I also love that word you brought into that, which was being vulnerable as, as well. So you really come across as really knowing your stuff and yet you're not afraid to go, actually, I don't understand, tell me more. Yeah, and, and I think, 
I think um, that uh, that allows the team to do the same. When they don't understand something, they can call it and be open yeah. about that, and that's okay. We we don't we're not all going to know everything, especially in this day and age. So, at the moment, what's your biggest challenge? Um, I'm in a I'm in a role at the moment with a um, a lot of regulatory scrutiny, and we're in a declining market as well. So I'm trying to balance the regulatory side of things, um, where we're making the right decisions for customers often at the expense of um of the numbers in the business but also we've got a naturally declining market as well and we're having to try and work through how we uh, rethink the business to turn that around so it's meaning more than ever i'm having to be really clear on priorities so if we don't all do the same five things we're never going to get it turned around so it's just um it's sort of a new challenge for me to have all of that going on at one time and finding the right balance between it all you mentioned being clear on the top five priorities and that everyone's across those five priorities. How difficult is it to bring that down to five? Uh, it's hard. It's hard. So I haven't brought it down to five. What I've said is go and do the other stuff but not at the expense of these five. So these are the five we absolutely have to land. So if you've got other good ideas and you want to do it, I'm really open to the team doing that, but make sure these things actually get landed and that that don't put them at risk. Okay. What is what is your what do you feel your biggest strength is in leading effectively? Oh, my biggest strength is also my biggest fault, but it's um it's authenticity. It, it's just it's being open. Um, it's encouraging um, people to be who they are, um, including for them to be able to work how they want to work. So including flexibility. Um, you know, it sounds really simple, but a lot of people a lot of people find that hard. So. Um, yeah, just, just being open, authentic and being real. People trust you. They want to work in your team because of it. Um, uh, you know, everyone has a lot going on in their lives. There's many facets to their lives. And if they can work in a team that respects that, then they choose to be there. Gosh, there's a whole nother talk, isn't there, about how how we tap into this workplace flexibility because, again, that's what everyone is really doing, but some people just aren't doing it well. Let me just ask you, how do you think you're making it work so well by creating that flexibility? Well, I think the key first is the trust. So when you've got mutual trust, flexibility works. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing I do is get the team underneath me a layer of trust. I get them to then do the same with their team. So go and get people underneath you that you trust and you've got mutual trust with. When you've got that and you then you create the openness, when you do those two things, then flexibility does work because you understand each other, you understand what's going on in each other's lives, you understand why people are working that way, you want it to work for them because you um, like them and respect them. And so that's when it works. It's when you don't have that trust with your team that sometimes um, people can take advantage advantage of it and it can end up in a bit of a mess. I'm a big advocate for when when I'm working with people and they say they're at a doing role, so they're very much in the in the doing part of the, the, the job and then they get promoted. Sometimes they get promoted from within their same team and I talk about how they've actually got to start thinking differently and every time they reach a new, more senior role, they've got to change their thinking again. Is that something that you've found as you've journeyed up the ranks? Uh, I think I've done it. I think I've just done it by default. So you've kind of get forced to, you know, if you if you don't do it, if you don't do it, um, you, you'll never sort of if you so if you've taken on a broader, bigger role and you don't change your thinking up, you 
you'll fail at it. So I think I've been forced to as I've as I've gone along. Um, I think I've just broadened my thinking a lot more. How do you think you've done that? Uh, I've done it by pushing myself to take um, challenges. So take a bigger, broader role, even when it feels scary, and it, and it does feel scary, and sometimes it feels too big. Um, and once I once I've done that, um, then it's a lot of asking questions, um, listening to understand, and um, respecting different views and different diverse views, and then it does push your thinking along. Yeah. Thanks. I want to ask you about delegating, which really falls into that because if you want to take that bigger, broader view, you've got to learn to let go of more things and, and again, comes back to trust, trusting your team to do it. So what delegation tips would you offer our listeners as far as helping you step up and do that higher value think or higher value work but also that higher order thinking as well? Uh, firstly, I'd say it's hard. So when you first start trying to delegate from going to a role where you've done a lot yourself, it's hard because you often feel like I could do this quicker, faster, better mm-hmm. than somebody else. Um, but you have to, so I'd say, force yourself to do it. Force yourself to have the patience with people who might be learning to do it and might not be doing things as, as quickly or as efficiently as you would have. Um, but persevere with it because it's so important. If you if you try to do everything yourself, you will fail. Um, but I would say um, the other tips I'd give once you sort of start delegating is if if you don't if you wouldn't spend your own time there, don't ask your team to. So there are some things that happen that just are not value add. They might be value add to somebody else, they're not to, to your team and what you need to achieve or to the organization. And so if there really isn't any value to it be bold enough to say no, we're not going to do the work or we're not going to turn up to the meeting, whatever it might be. Um, And the second thing is I sort of use a rule that if my team are going to a meeting, then I don't need to. So we don't need two of us there. Um, I trust my team. I trust them. I empower them to make the decisions. So if they're there, I don't need to be there. And so, um, you know, early on I would find turning up to a meeting and to be five of us from the same team at the same meeting, it's just a bad use of time. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about meetings, um, are you one of those leaders that literally goes from the start of the day or even before the day even really starts your own meetings right through the end of the day or have you really sorted this now and you've got time to to do other work? No, um, I haven't sorted it. I'm still back-to-back meetings all day, so um, I haven't quite landed that one, Mary. Okay. I have little gaps in the day that I hold. Um, I do have a couple of little gaps in the day that I hold to do things I need to do or be able to give my time to somebody without them having to wait a month to get into my diary. Um, I do that. But, um, but yeah, I, I still have more work to do on that one. It's, it's hard. Okay. So we've heard a lot of tips already about your leadership style and how you build high-performing teams. Are there other leadership tips that you have for people stepping into their perhaps their first leadership role or even established leaders that might be struggling with their team? Um, apart from the ones I've already I've already given, which, as I said, my, look, the, the most important one is get a team around you you trust immediately. It's so important. I can't emphasise that enough. Um, the other things that I've really sort of held myself to is um, be who you are, don't change or fit a mould that the organisation wants you to fit. Um, and I've had that 
you know, people will say to me all the time, oh, you don't really fit the mould, you don't really fit the mould, but they say that in a really positive way and, and find that really inspiring. So I think, um, you know, it's it's too exhausting to try and be something else. Just hold on to who you are and if you fit in the organisation, that's great. And if you don't, then find one that you do fit into, but don't, don't change for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other couple of things are... Um, I always say don't sell your soul. So if you're asked to do something you're uncomfortable with, then say no, no matter who's asking or what the consequence is. Um, I've always held myself to I need to be able to sleep at night and like who I am. Um, and so I, I feel really, um, and, and I have had to say no to things that haven't necessarily fared well, but um, I think that's really important. And without going into details or confidentiality or anything, what are some of the consequences that have occurred when you have said no? Oh, you know, you you um you know when you're out of favour and you feel it. Um, you know, I've had all sorts of <laughs> I, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't go into too much detail, but um, but yeah, you do know when you're out of favour. You do know that you've disappointed somebody and that they're not particularly happy with you. Um, it's caused a problem for the organisation. All those things, but um, at the end of the day, again, it's aligning to leaders that will respect your um you're right to say, no, I'm really uncomfortable with that and I don't want to do it. And at the end of the day, people do respect that in the end, whether even if they don't like it in the moment. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to move into the next section of this now and, and start talking about what you do day to day. So to you're, you're busy, you have lots of meetings, you also have a family. So what are your daily habits to help you in your success? Um. I wish I could tell you it was mindfulness, Murray, but you know that it isn't. <laughs> I'm the worst mindfulness person ever. Um, but for me, it's um, I drop my kids to school in the morning. That's really important to me. You know, they're, they're 14 and 16 and I still drop them to school because I like to have a chat with them every morning about um, what's going on in the day ahead. Um, I've started going to the gym a few times a week with my daughter, so that's something we do together. And, and at the end of the day where I just de-stress and leave my phone um, behind for a couple of hours um and then as I said earlier I always sort of block an hour out in the middle of the day where I'm accessible and I just have a little bit of uh, space for my own brain to <laughs> to uh, decompress a little bit before the second part of the day goes so they're they're kind of key things for me there's no no meditation unfortunately no, for me I know you've tried but I can't do it <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, do you include listening to podcasts or reading books into your, I guess, daily habits? I uh, don't do it daily. Um, I do do listen to some. I, I sort of do listen to some podcasts from time to time. Um, I tend to pick the short and punchy ones because I'm time poor. Um, and with books, uh, I have to admit, I prefer a trashy model to a business book. <laughs> um, I just feel like my brain is on so much for work. I don't tend to sit down and read a lot of books. The ones I do remember are the ones I've read because I know and respect the author. So um, I've read I've read the books by Mari Burgess, the Connecting Us and um, XX Project. So I love them because they're easy reads. Um, they're to the point and they're written in a really human way. And the other um, book that stands out to me is the one by Lisa Stevenson, who I also know and love, um, called read this first and I and I also think it's really relevant and human in the right way it's written so things are an easy read for me like those books that have some really good punchy points um, and are written in a way that's really entertaining I'll tend to go towards those books rather than the big heavy 
um, the big heavy uh, theory based yeah. books. Great. So, so what sort of give me an example of short? Because uh, I'm I'm trying to listen to podcasts way more regularly than I ever used to. So, what's some short, sharp podcasts that you? Oh, I know. You tend to go to the TED Talk ones because I find oh, yeah. them quite funny as well. I find them they've always got a bit of humour. They've always got a bit of character to them, but they're like twenty minutes, you know. And so I could just listen to a couple of them on the way in to work. I don't do it. I don't do it every day. I certainly don't even do it every week. But I do do it from time to time, and I'm trying to do it more. Um, than what I have historically as well because I think that's a really good way to um, keep your mind open and consider different perspectives. Exactly. Totally agree with that. I do love the fact that you love a trashy novel. A trashy novel is like my reward that if I've worked really hard and I've ticked off everything that I've wanted to achieve for the day, I'm allowed to read a couple of chapters of a trashy <laughs> novel because it is. It's just, it just shuts your mind off. I love it. Oh, I remember going on. I remember being told years ago by a very senior um, leader to read a particular book over the holidays. And I said, yes, 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 I'll read the book. And I did take the book along, but I didn't open the book. I read the trashy novels the whole time. So had to do a little bit of a Google search on the book at the end to <laughs> try and <laughs> to get the short notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simone, thank you so much. What would be your parting advice for emerging leaders? Um, it would be lead from the heart, lead with who you are in, in an authentic way and um, be real about it because people know and people people really gravitate towards that. Do you, uh, thank you, I love that. Do you think that we are finding there are more and more leaders in organisations like National Australia Bank or, or other corporations that you're familiar with where we, we're getting more leaders that lead from the heart? I think we are. I think we are um, seeing it more and more. I think there's still a big portion of people who find it difficult to be able to turn up and be who they are every day and there's just a personality thing. I think some people find it harder than others. So, um, you know, if you're one of those people who finds it hard, it might be something you, you need to work out a bit harder than somebody else. But I think it's been more accepted and more encouraged than, than it has been previously. Yeah, I definitely think we're moving in that direction. Simone, thank you so uh much uh anything any last minute last comments that you wanted to to add otherwise we'll end it here no i don't think there's anything else i'll try and try and kick up the meditation for the next time we talk (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks thanks murray thanks for having me you can find out more about simone from her linkedin profile which will be in the show notes the key points that i took away from simone's talk was the importance of leading from the heart, getting the next layer down right in your structure as soon as possible and faster, the faster the better, and build that trust straight up front to really focus on building that high-performing team. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please share the link with colleagues and friends or on your social media feeds and help others learn how to be great leaders. Or if you're in a team, what a great leader looks like and how you can help develop that. If you know of someone that you think I should interview, please let me know via my website. Thanks.